You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Today, thank you again for being here. If you're a guest joining us, make sure you stop by the Welcome Center so we can say hello to you. Um, and thank you for coming. Um, but we are in the middle, um, almost to the tail end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we've had three focuses over this last three weeks. Uh, we focused on breakthrough, which I've taught on for the last two weeks. Uh, and, I, and I believe God's honored that. And I hope he's honored that in your life and shown you some things with that. As we've gone to the word and we've gone to prayer and his presence. And today we're going to talk about joy in life. And that's our second focus and kind of uh, curtail into the third thing that we've been, we're locking into, which is unmistakable direction. Because God desires for us to walk in his calling, and it takes courage. Anytime you've looked in the Bible, and you've looked at somebody, a man or woman, God has called to do something for him, it's always been beyond them. And we should rejoice in that. And with the understanding that when God calls you, it's bigger than you. And there's a reason for that, because God wants to display his glory through you in the, and on the earth. And so when we come to that, it takes great courage. Think about Joshua. How many times the Spirit of the Lord came to him and said, Be strong and courageous. Be bold and courageous over and over again to him. Why? Because the challenge that was set before him was huge. It was bigger than Joshua. But yet he stepped into that unmistakable direction that God was calling him to, relied upon the power of the Holy Spirit, and God did great things. And for every one of us, it's the same. God's called our church to a direction and a vision. He's called each one of you to something special in your life. And so when we tap into that unmistakable direction, it comes with the courage and the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what God has called you to. And I want to say something bold to you. I, I know that some of you might have felt or have felt um, trapped in something for a while. Don't focus on that. I want you to turn your eyes into the future that God has for you because I promise you if you lean into that, what will follow is the grace to accomplish that. And that's unmistakable direction. So today, as we focus on joy in life, I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 3 John. And we're going to look at some passages in 3 John. Now, there's a handout with today's uh, message. If you didn't get one, raise your hand and the ushers are, will get you a, a handout really quick. You won't miss anything as I get started here. And this is just to help you in this process because today is going to combine um, the truth from the Word of God, the spiritual application of the truth from the Word of God, and some practical things that are going to keep us locked into joy in life. And we're going to see here how God designs us to walk in this pattern and these principles of continually pulling us into joy in life. And where joy in life come from, we're going to talk about some enemies of joy in life and some ways we can walk in joy in life. Because walking in joy and finding the abundant life that God desires for us sometimes is hard. Why? Because we all go through the stuff of life. And the stuff of life involves ups and downs, doesn't it? Not every, every day is rosy and sunny. Not every day do we jump out of bed and go, woohoo, another day. Sometimes we want to just pull the covers over our head and stay in bed all day. But the source of joy in life doesn't come from our circumstances. The source of joy doesn't come from what we might be facing. It comes from the abundant truth of the heart of God and who He is and His desire to lead us in this truth. So, 
as we get started and we look at 3 John, the second verse, here we see this. It says this, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. I make you say amen to that. Amen. And that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Now, we're reading from the NIV, and if you read from the King James or whatever version, it's, it's all the same. But I want to pull out a, a couple of words here to give us a little bit of context into what the Scripture is saying. There's three words I want to just that jump out to me that I want to talk about. And the first word here is prosper that you'd see in the King James Version. And this is what it means, is to be led in a direction in an easy way. God's desire for us is that we take what Jesus said is his yoke upon us. But Jesus attached a promise onto that command. He said, take my yoke upon you. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what Jesus was saying is that there is a difference in the understanding of prosperity from a worldly view and then the understanding of prosperity or to prosper from a spiritual or heavenly view. And when God encourages us and tells us that he wants us to prosper, it's this, is that our way would be easy. Now, let me give a little bit of um, understanding to this also. That doesn't, again, mean that every day is perfect. What that means is that we're tapping in to the understanding of the grace of God that allows us to overcome anything in our life through his strength. And in that place, our way gets easy. Why? Because we're not relying upon our own strength and our own wisdom or our own understanding of what's going on in our life. And even as we get started, when we talk about joy in life, we have to understand that we have to begin to switch off our understanding of what brings joy to us if it's attached to something that is rooted in something that is not directed by God. And we have to begin to say, Holy Spirit, give us understanding on your perspective of what it means to prosper. Because in that place, we will have joy in life. And God is basically looking at us and saying, listen, when I call you to prosperity, when I call you to prosper, what I'm asking you to do is to take my direction in your life. Why? Because I understand. My perspective is better than yours. I rise above the mountains and the obstacles in your life and I see past them. Where maybe today you can't see past something in your life, God can. And he has, as the expert navigator, he understands the way. Anytime a group goes to Everest, they always have a Tibetan um, journeyman with them, right? Somebody who's blazed the trail. Why? Because, and it's amazing because if you've ever been interested in like summiting Everest, which only from a distance I am, right? Like I'm never really going to do it. Number one, it's very expensive, right? But number two, these guys who are their journeymen who take them up the mountain, they don't need oxygen in the same levels that we do when people come to summit Everest because their lungs are conditioned. They've been there. They understand the routes. They, they know what it takes to get up this mountain because they live there. Their perspective is different. And in the same way, God says, listen, begin to gain my perspective because in my perspective, I know what it's going to take to lead you in the way that is easy, the way that is absent from the burdens and the stress of your life. The second word that pops out to me is health. This is what 
John is writing here. He says, I pray that you enjoy good health. And this is what this word health means, to be free from any mixture or error. And this deals directly with the condition of your soul. And this is an important truth as we kind of dig deeper into today, as we we learn from the Word of God, that there's a direct connection between the condition of your soul and your physical health. You know, you can go to the gym all day long and eat all the best foods, but if your soul is in turmoil, you're going to deal with the stress and the anxiety of life. And the health that God desires for us to walk in is a health that comes from having our soul free by His grace. And so He says this, listen, and and that's good news because if you faced any kind of health obstacle in the year or years in the past, you understand that these things are worrisome and they bring anxiety and they're troubling and they keep you up at night. But here's the truth is that your salvation in those areas may be coupled with the truth that God wants to free your soul from the anxiety because he cares for you. That's why the word of God says this, cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And this is this picture of what health looks like through the perspective of heaven. And then when we walk in this place where there's not any kind of misunderstanding in our soul, and our soul is free, what happens is that grace abounds in us. And this is the full definition and understanding of this word health, that we would be free from mixture or error in our soul, that our soul would be able to receive the peace of God, the life of God, the strength of God, the revelation of grace from God. So that grace would abound more in us. And I want to tell you today that if you're going to make the decision to trust God's word and walk in joy in life, you have to have grace abound in you in every situation and in every circumstance that you face, no matter what you're walking through. The third word that pops out here is the word soul. Because the context of today's message deals with allowing the Holy Spirit to adjust some of the areas of our soul. And without going too deep into this, God has created us as a threefold person, if you would. We have flesh in our physical body. We also have a spirit that is born again when we trust in Jesus Christ and is able to hear and to receive from the truth of the Word of God, from the heart of God. And while we're in prayer or in worship, when you're in worship, your spirit is connecting with the words on the screen. If you're entering in and saying, God, I believe these things, your spirit is corresponding with God's spirit. And there's a continual testimony bouncing back and forth about the redeeming love of Jesus or the truth that He is for us or His future for us. But we also have a soul. And in our soul, the seat, it is the seat of your feelings, your directions, your desires, and your affections. And this is the place, more often than not, that we begin to wrestle in when we talk about joy in life. That we wrestle between our spirit and our soul. We might understand the truth of what God is saying. If you've ever been in a place of turmoil in your life, And you've had somebody come up to you trying to be encouraging. And they say something like, just trust in God. That's not absent of truth. But the problem that you might have faced with that statement is this. Is it doesn't deal with the turmoil in your soul, does it? 
You say, I want to trust in God. I want to believe that he is for me. I want to believe that even there's a better day and, and, and God's going to work this out. But in my soul, there's anxiety. and there, In my soul, there's feelings of, of frustration. In my soul, there's feelings of fear. I feel these things. But I want to tell you something and why this is so important for us to understand in Scripture is that God cares about your soul. In God, the Heavenly Father, you have a Father who cares about your feelings, about the direction of your life, about your desires and your affections. And He's created a path for that. And so when we put these words together and we understand the context of this one passage that we read just in 3 John, the second verse, what we see is this, is that God wants to lead us into a path of life that is easy But we have to learn to look into his grace and trust in his grace for every condition of our soul so that we can walk in joy in life. So this is where we're going to kick up our notes here. I want to talk for just a minute about the enemies of our joy in life. And I want us to look out for these things, avoid these things. And maybe as we go through these things this morning, you're going to say, look, I find myself here. But don't worry. Don't worry, God has provided an answer. And what you're going to see is, as we look at this, is that there were other people in the Bible who did great things for God, who struggled in these areas too, and God helped them overcome and bring them back into joy in life. So the first thing is this, mismanaged expectation. Mismanaged expectation. In Psalm 62.5, a psalm of David, it says this, My soul, this is from the King James Version, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. My soul, wait only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Now, this standalone verse probably doesn't pack a lot of punch, but let me give you a context for it for just a second. Because most scholars believe that David wrote this in a very troubling time of his life. Matter of fact, when you go back and you read Psalm 62, you see David acting as though he is like totally on both sides of the fence. He goes back from saying, God, where are you? And and having these thoughts of abandonment to saying, God, my soul will wait for you only upon you. And my expectation comes only from you, God. And this is the time of life that David is believed to have been battling with his son Absalom who tried to take the throne away from David to usurp the authority away from David in rebellion and in frustration and in anger. And when you go back and you look at that story, from a natural perspective, you see every reason why Absalom should have done what he did. He was mad about the rape of his sister. He was upset about the context and the situation of his family life. He didn't recognize his dad as taking proper authority in the situation. But instead of rectifying this in a spiritual way or in a way that honored God, he took matters into his own hand and he began to vie for the affection of the leaders and to usurp the authority away from David. And David's soul was crushed here. And David here was walking in between mismanaged expectations. He was feeling the frustration as a king and as a leader to take back the control of the kingdom that God had put in his hands. Through the prophetic word, through these things that he knew undoubtedly. Through the trials of his life where he had wrestled with these things. 
And he was fighting this, but also dealing with the love for his son. And he was saying this, God, I don't understand how this is going to happen. In my natural mind, I, don't, I see a plan. And in my plans, maybe I'm going, on one day I'm going this way to just shut Absalom down. And the other way I want to extend grace Another day I want to extend grace to him. And my soul is divided. And he finally comes to this place where he says, my expectation will come from you. So how does the mismanagement of our expectations come? It comes when we begin to outstep the timing of God. And in our life, if we want to stay in joy in the place of life, we have to learn not to outstep the timing of God. There are things that will happen in your life that you are going to say, God, when? When will this be rectified? When will this be made right? But God knows. He has it in control. He has a way of redemption and justice and peace and life in store for you. And the key for us is not to outstep the timing of God. Not to outstep the timing of God. Another reason we get into mismanaged expectation is because we fail to see God's ability in every area of our life. When we begin to take control back over the areas of our life, we struggle. Because inevitably we will fall short in that area. When we stop relying upon the grace and the strength of God, we'll begin to fall short. We'll come up empty in those areas. But instead, we have to sit back and begin to trust God and say, God, I'm going to choose to decide in my heart to see your ability in every area of my life. Whether it's reconnecting in a relationship like David was facing in Psalm 62. To say, God, I don't know how this is going to get rectified in my relationships. Or to say something to the effect of, God, I don't know how you're going to redeem my future for your purposes. Whatever it is, we have to choose to see God's ability because His ways are higher than our ways. And the reason why the Scripture tells us that is to remind us of this powerful truth. is to invite His ability into every area of our life. My favorite Scripture is Philippians 1.6. Because it says this, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the coming of Christ Jesus. And this is what that means. That if God called you to it, He will see you through it. And He will resource you in the midst of it. And then by His grace, He will give you the strength to accomplish everything you need to do. But that requires us seeing His ability in every area of our life. Another way we have mismanaged expectation is not knowing the source of our joy. By confusing joy as an experience or a thing. I get a lot of joy from watching football. I got a lot of joy, a lot of joy from watching the national championship because I was rooting for Georgia. And when Alabama's kicker missed that field goal, anybody there with me? Nobody? Okay. You know, and I was like, oh, God, you're in this place. Thank you, Lord. I felt bad for the kid who shanked that ball. But you know what? I was like, God, your handiwork's here. And I got excited. But I want to tell you something. A football game, that's silly. That's trivial. That's trite. Or a new vehicle. Or a new home. Or a relationship. is not the source of your joy. Yes, God can give you those things and they can make you happy. And that's okay to be happy about a new vehicle or a relationship. Or whatever it is. Even a football game, it's okay 
It's okay to do that, but it's not the source of your joy. And when we fail to see the source of our joy, what happens is that we can get trapped in a condition of our life. And then we can get disconnected. We can get frustrated in our life. Instead, we have to see that joy comes from Jesus. comes from the grace that he gives us. To keep our eyes locked on that so that no matter the condition of our life, we can look up to him and say, God, even though I don't feel it, even though I might not see it, I believe it. And I'm going to keep my focus on your ability that I'm going to lock into your timing and I'm going to trust you. And from that place, grace is dispensed and joy in life comes. The second enemy of our joy And life is this. And here we dip into the practical for just a minute. Is filling our life up with too much stuff. Filling our life up with too much stuff. In Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, it says this. Paul gives us this exhortation. He says, be very careful then how you live. Not as the unwise, but as the wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are are evil. Let me express this to you. Paul here is not saying that time is your enemy per se, and that the days are evil in the sense of the chronological order of days. But what he's saying is this, is that when we choose to take and align our life up with the wrong things, and fill our life with things that are not led by the Spirit, and are not God-driven, what we're going to find is that the days become evil. That they begin to work against us. That we end up maybe working too much and neglecting things that are more important in the way of our family or our children. That when we fill our life up with things and activities and we realize that we don't really have the relationship and the depth of relationship in the areas. I hope this is connecting. I hope that you guys aren't getting offended by what I'm saying here. But what I'm telling you is this, is that there is a choice to make in the way we spend our time. And the exhortation is this, is that the only way we can redeem our time is by filling our life up and setting a priority to honor God through our time first. And then letting him fill in the blanks. Now here's why. In Ephesians 5, 8 through 10, it says this. You were once in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Paul actually gives us the answer before he goes into this exhortation of redeeming the days, and he says, listen, as people who are called to the Lord, our first priority is to say, God, we want to walk in your truth. We want to walk in your way that brings prosperity to us. So we want to begin to fill our lives up with what pleases you. We want to seek first what pleases you instead of filling our time up and our days up with stuff that may be unnecessary. Because filling our life with too much of the unnecessary, which is the things that are not led by the Spirit, not being in tune with what the Spirit-led life looks like, will cause us to burn the candle at both ends. And when we burn the candle at both ends in our life by filling our life up with too much unnecessary stuff or stuff that isn't lined up with our future or what God's called us to, what it will do is sap our joy in life and create inflexibility in us. 
will say, God, we don't have time for this. And let me say something as a bit of encouragement to you, to the church as a whole. Especially in this new year, as we begin to launch out things like small groups, and we begin to give opportunities for prayer and these things like that. When, when the, the decision in your mind comes to this and says, I'm too, I'm too busy to do that, there's too much things, there's too many things going on in my life, I want to I just gently encourage you and say, listen, you're too busy not to take time to grow. You're too busy not to take time to grow. Because when we choose to tune into the things that God is directing us to, the way that God is leading us in and be attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, what happens is that we create flexibility in our life to move where God tells us to move, to move into the paths of life that he's calling us to. Does that make sense? Because when our life is too full, we get rigid and inflexible. And we don't move, and we don't hear as well as we should. And so God wants to keep us in this place of being led by the Spirit so that we begin to fill our lives up with what pleases the Lord because when we do that, we begin to eat of the fruit of righteousness in our life. The third thing is this, third enemy of our joy and life is disconnection, disconnection. Now here we're going to dive into the Old Testament for just a second and talk about a guy named Elijah. In 1 Kings 19-14, through 14, this conversation, I'm going to read this and give you a little bit of context on it. This is a conversation between Elijah and God. And in verse 14, he replied, this is Elijah, he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And here's what happened at this point in Elijah's life is that he went from a great victory to utter defeat. He went from the Carmel, Mount Carmel experience to the Mount Horeb experience. And we all probably have heard the Mount Carmel experience where he challenged the prophets of Baal and they called down fire from heaven and the prophets of Baal, they did all sorts of things all day long. They rent their clothes, they did just incredibly nasty things to try to bring their God Allow their God to bring down fire and nothing happened. And then Elijah says, step away. He mocks them. He mocks them. What boldness that Elijah had as the only guy to go up and begin to mock the prophets of Baal in front of the wicked king and queen. And he said, I want you to saturate this. I want you to dig a moat. And I want you to saturate the sacrifice with water. And then he just said, and he called out to the God of heaven and the God of earth. And he said, let fire come. And fire came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And then he went about doing the work of God. And he, he was excited. And he was filled with vigor and courage and life. But all of a sudden, Jezebel, the wicked queen, sends a command and tells Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And in that instant, Elijah goes from Carmel to Horeb where he runs for his life. And God says, I want you to go up to this mountain. I want to speak to you. And this is where we see this conversation in 1 Kings 19. And in this chapter, what we see in this dialogue, and it's so powerful, I want you to please hear this, is that two times, God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? God knew what Elijah was doing, but he was getting to the condition of Elijah's soul that allowed him to get disconnected from the truth of what God had called him to 
And in two times, Elijah looked at God and said, I alone am left. It's just me here. It's just me here. And then God brought him through an experience that showed him his presence in power. And then told Elijah this, that there's still 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. And there's still one out there that you're going to go and you're going to anoint who's going to carry the power that you have. What happened in Elijah's life that allowed him to get disconnected from the truth? Because this, in reality, when we look at it, one of the things that we see here in this story is that Elijah got disconnected. He got disconnected. And when he got disconnected, he got utterly wiped out. And God had to bring him back into his presence just to reconnect him into the truth of what he was doing on the earth. Despair will cause us to get trapped and locked into fear. Why should we avoid the pitfall of disconnection? Because disconnection brings despair. And when we are in a place of despair, we will become and get into a place of fear. But getting out of the place of fear and despair is as easy as getting reconnected into the future that God has for us. And this is something I want to promise and I want to tell you. That no matter where you find yourself, if you're disconnected or you're in a place of despair or you feel like you're the only one there in your life where it's moving and going, I want to tell you that God has a better future for you. And it is not all doom and gloom. He does not set you up in a place no matter what you're facing or what's going on. That there is not a future and a hope in front of you. I promise you. Disconnection will bring us into a place where we don't get connected with the body. And here's an important reason why you can't be alone and disconnected. Because when you're in fellowship in the body, it is a place of life and it is a place of joy. In relationships, when you have right relationships, when you have fellowship in the body of Christ, and I don't care if it's here or somewhere else, when you have that, you will be in a place of life and you will be in a place of joy. God never called you to be alone. He never called you to the thing that he called you to, to do it alone. He's always connected you into Something bigger than you. He's connected you into the body, and he's connected you into right relationships, and he's connected you into the word of God. And in that place, we begin to open up our eyes to the future and the hope that God has for us. Listen, there have been times in my life, just like you guys, every one of you, where you've been in this place where all you see is what is wrong. And in that place, the temptation is to isolate yourself and get disconnected. But I'm telling you from my perspective and my experience, where I get help from this and I get free from this, is when I begin to connect into the relationships that God has given me, and I begin to gain a perspective from heaven. Why? Because God ordained the body and relationships to bring us back into life. And this is exactly what he did for Elijah. And the joy that came back to Elijah after he left Horeb was probably inexpressible. Inexpressible from this perspective is that Elijah stopped feeling like he was all alone. He changed his mantra from I alone am left 
to there is still a future and a hope in Israel. I don't care what Jezebel, I don't care what Ahab have done. I don't care that there have been Israelites that have knocked down the temple of God and have stopped worshiping God. There is a remnant. There are 7,000. There is a guy who's going to come who's going to be just like me, who's going to be filled with the Spirit and going to do great things. God, you're not done yet. And this is the importance for avoiding the pitfall of disconnection. This is why God seated you in the body. And the last one is this. The enemy of joy in life is failures and past mistakes. These things will sap the joy right out of us and the life right out of us. I love how Paul dealt with this in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. He says this. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. When you read through Philippians 3, Paul talks about his resume as a Pharisee, as a zealot, as somebody trained in the law. And he comes to this conclusion. These things that I, I was in the past. The training that I thought I needed, that I thought I received, that made me somebody who killed Christians. Somebody who was against the heart of God. Those things I put behind me. And I realized that in the redemptive power of the grace of Jesus Christ. Let me explain that. The grace of Jesus Christ has the ability not just to pull us out of sin, but to pull us into a future. And here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, in order for me to stay in the place of joy in life, to get rid of yesterday's mistakes and yesterday's failures and the endeavors that put me in a pit, I have to focus on the grace that God has put in front of me and the calling that He has called me to that I'm going to pursue with all of my heart, all of my mind, and all of my strength. Looking at our past mistakes takes our eyes off of the grace of Jesus in our life. And when we take our eyes off the grace of Jesus, we'll begin to shape our life more upon our mistakes and our failures and allow it to create identity inside of us. And that place will steal joy and life right out of us. But instead, we have to turn and look and put our eyes upon the grace of Jesus Christ that calls us into a future and a hope. I want to talk about a couple of steps we need to take to walk in joy in life. Dipping down a, a little bit deeper into 3 John, verse three, verses 3 and 4. Justin, come on up, man. He says this, It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth. Telling how, to, telling how to continue, how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. There's a couple of keys here that Scripture gives us to continue to walk in joy in life. The first is this. Very simple. Joy in life come when we walk in the truth. Joy in life come when we walk in the truth. 
I'm just going to drop some simple things on you really quick. How we begin to walk in the truth comes when we decide to spend time in the Word of God and in His presence. See, John is saying this to to the church there. He's saying, listen, you decided to focus on the truth of what you were called to. You decide to anchor yourself in the truth of the Word. You decided to spend time focusing on that. And here's what we need to understand, that if we're going to walk in joy in life, we have to walk in the truth, which means we have to spend time in the Word of God and in His presence. That's not just Sundays and Wednesdays, that's every day. That we need to create an appetite for getting into the Word, for reading the Word, for gaining and looking at the truth of the Word of God, measuring our life up against that, seeing our future through that lens. But walking in the truth also means this, is that we make a decision to focus on the right things and let go of the wrong things. When we say that we're going to walk in the truth, and that truth has the ability to bring us into joy in life, for some of us that means this, is that we begin to let go of wrong thinking. And again, this deals with, and I want you to please hear this, this deals with the condition of your soul. Because some of you are measuring yourself more off of your feelings than off of the truth of what God is saying about you through the Word and in His presence. And the way you're going to begin to walk in joy in life is to let go of wrong thinking, these things that aren't true, these things that don't speak the truth of your future, that don't testify to God's plan or direction in your life, and you choose to begin to focus on the right things. Can I, can I just point blank this for you really quick? That's a decision. That's a decision about what you're going to focus on. That's an everyday thing. As sometimes those thoughts pop into your mind and they begin to cultivate in your soul, you say, listen, that's, that's not my future. That's not the truth of what God's saying about me. But instead you begin to lock into what God is saying about you. You begin to focus on the right things. Walking in the truth involves the walk of faith. And this is something here that John just exhorts in the church there. And he says, your faithfulness. I'm pleased to hear about your faithfulness to the truth. Because if we're going to walk in the truth, we have to walk the walk of faith. And the walk of faith involves us always looking ahead and saying, God, what's the next step that you're bringing me to? And saying, God, I'm I'm willing to do that. And that could be very practical things about weeding out some of the entanglements of your life to saying, God, it's time for me to, to spend more time in your word. God, it's time for me maybe to connect into the right relationships. God, it's time for me to take that step that you've called me to, the thing that you've called me to, and I know I need to to make that move and make that decision. Because in that place, there's life and there's joy. The second area, step we can take to bring us into joy in life, is when we begin to, number two, joy in life comes when we focus on the condition of our soul. I want to be very direct about this. I've talked around this, but here again, the context of joy in life comes by allowing the Holy Spirit 
to do a work in our soul. And the seed of our feelings and affections, our desires, our emotions. Emotional health involves right relationships. Relationships that will grow us. Relationships that grow others. Listen, if you're setting a pursuit to grow an emotional health in your life, if you're setting a pursuit to grow your soul, you need to be connected to right relationships. You need to have relationships in your life that are going to grow you and relationships that you have the ability to grow others that stretch the truth of what God is saying about you. I know that sounds painfully simple, but if we would all just take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to say, God, in front of you are all of my relationships. And they're not just ones that you have face to face, but maybe the relationships you have online. Maybe the things that you're, you're doing on social media and saying, God, are these things benefiting the future that you've called me to? Because in any way, shape, or form, if they're entangling your soul and locking your soul up, it's going to suck joy and life right out of you. And so God gives us the opportunity to change that. Emotional health involves right reactions. Again, please hear me on this. We're all faced with our reactions every day. Almost too fast than we can handle to make. Our reactions deal with people, they deal with hardships, they deal with life, they deal even with opinions now. And we have the opportunity to react to these things. But if we're asking God to put joy in life back into our soul, we have to begin to take control of our reactions and allow the Holy Spirit to guide our reactions. And that makes That means this, is that we have to take the time to react properly. Not to just react out of an emotional instinct or to say something that's rash or or quick. The scripture says this, be slow to speak, be quick to hear, to listen, to absorb. And there are times we're all pressed again in the nature of our reactions. And we don't realize that when we don't check those across with the Holy Spirit, and say, God, how do you want to process this in my soul? How do you want me to respond in this situation? We put ourselves into emotional turmoil. And here John is saying this. In essence, he's saying, listen, you've allowed God to take charge of every area of your life, even your emotions. You've allowed God to guard your emotions and your reactions when you felt the tendency to to push up against those and and feel the pressure to respond a certain way, instead, you've listened. You've responded in the right spirit. You've heard me speak. You've let me deal with the issues in your heart. Emotional health also involves taking time to invest in our health, our physical health. Now here we go, first of the year. To take time to invest in your health physically. Which means this. That some of us need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to to guard 
are the decisions we make with our physical bodies. To treat our bodies the right way. To watch what we eat. To take the time to rest appropriately. Some of us aren't taking the time to rest and to allow our bodies physically to recharge. We're allowing anxiety to build up to rob us of sleep. We're not taking the time to care for our bodies. The investment in our health involves this, detoxing from an overreacting mind. Don't raise your hand. I'll raise mine. If you've ever dealt with an overreacting mind, where you just can't shut it off. My wife read this thing to me. She read on Facebook today. She said, if you want to know a woman's mind, it's like having a browser open with 2,867 tabs open. I said, Lord, thank you for making me a man. I've got two tabs open. (laughs) But listen, we all face this, right? And so this all plays out in the condition of our soul. And ultimately, it can rob us from joy in life. And so we have to begin to listen to the Holy Spirit And just take time to chill out, to turn things off, to decompress, to turn our phones off, to turn the TV off, to maybe invest in conversations with our spouses or our children, to have quality time, to set our clocks. Can I be super practical with you for just a second? When it deals with the condition of your emotional health, it's to take time to go to bed. Don't go to bed at 2 in the morning and wake up at 6. You're killing yourself. Some of you guys who shift work, you have to do that. My hats go off to you. But listen, we have to take time to chill out, to decompress, laugh, laugh, spend time laughing. My wife, again, I'm being very practical here with you guys, but this is dealing with the condition of our soul. I've been on this kick where I'm listening to podcasts about health and about exercise. And I'll come home and I'll say, babe, listen, I listen to this. Hey, this is what this is saying. This is what this is saying. And sometimes they conflict. And finally she just looked at me. She said, hey, when you podcast, do you ever listen to something funny? You need to just take some time out and stop listening to all that. Like, my goodness. I said, you know, you're right. So I started, like, podcasting funny stuff. Just take the time to laugh. To laugh at yourself, to laugh at things that are funny, to find joy in things. YouTube cats doing dumb things. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. Right? Go back and look at baby pictures. I don't know. I did this thing. Again, you guys are like, man, Pastor, where are you going? Google has this new thing called Arts and Culture. How many of you have heard of this app? You can download it. Download it today. It's fun. And on this app, you can take a selfie. I'm not a selfie guy. And then when you, it scans you, it compares you to famous works of art. Can I tell y'all something? I laughed my bottom off. Because they compare me to the ugliest paintings in the planet. <laughs> I'm like, babe, do I really look this bad? And she's like, oh. <laughs> And just laugh. Have fun. Decompress. Joy comes from faithfulness. 
Be faithful to the body of Christ. Be faithful to the body of Christ. Be faithful to the steps of obedience in your life. Be faithful to your calling. Be faithful to grow. Be faithful to connect your gifts into the place where God's called you to. In February, we're going to launch out our growth track, 2.0. It's not going to be bloated and long, but if you're new here and you're looking for a place to connect, we're going to divide it in half. We're going to have a time that gets you into the information of the church. I'm not making a plug. I'm saying all that to say that the second half is going to deal with finding your fit. Understanding that when God called you here, if he called you here, he called you with something to add to the body, to grow the body. And in that place, you're going to find so much joy. You're going to find so much life. You're going to begin to step into your destiny and your calling, and it's going to unlock joy and life in you in such a great way. I'm so excited about this. Because in this place, as we're faithful to do that, there is a place of joy in life. And then finally, make plans to grow in every area of your life. I want to challenge you this year that if you're saying, God, I want you to grow my finances. I need to see some redemptiveness in my area of my finances. Then make a plan to tithe. Make a plan to tithe. And I'm not mincing words with this. And I don't care if you tithe here or you go someplace else and tithe. You're not tithing to me and you're not tithing to Freedom Christian Fellowship. You are not tithing to me and you are not tithing to Freedom Christian Fellowship. You are tithing to the Lord. And if we want to grow in areas of our life, we've got to begin to take steps to grow. We need to begin to say, God, I want to grow in my marriage. Then you need to say, God, how are you going to begin to stretch me? Maybe it starts with kind words. Maybe it starts with a date night. I don't know. God, you're going to grow me in a place of moving me past a pain. God, you're going to connect me into a place of life. Because this is what it comes down to. In 3 John 1.10, it says this. Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. And this is very simple, very practical about how we take today and make a transformational step to begin to walk in joy in life. Is that we've got to break the mold. No matter what part of today that you heard God speaking to you, if you felt God speaking to you to take a step in an area, you need to do it. You need to imitate what is good. You need to connect with joy in life in that area that God is leading you to and allow God to renew your thought life, your relationships, your finances, your spiritual growth, to give you renewed grace for your future, whatever it is, is that you have to break the mold and say today, on this day, I'm making a decision that I'm not going to be led any longer by whatever it was that was holding me in the past. I'm not going to be disconnected. I'm not going to be disgruntled. I'm not going to be in a place where I'm stuck. I'm going to begin to see your perspective, God. I'm going to begin to trust the joy in life that you have for me. And today, by the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm breaking the mold. And I'm going to begin to imitate what is good. 
I'm going to begin to do, God, what you've called me to do. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you continually lead us into joy in life. God, and I pray right now for your grace in every area of our life. That we would continually see, God, the things that you are calling us into and understand that the path that you're leading us into, Lord, is a path that brings us into the place of understanding the life that you have set in front of us. And that God, by your grace and your strength, that we have the ability to allow you to renew every area of our soul. Father, this morning I pray for those, Lord, that are going through the turmoil in their soul. I pray, God, that you would speak to them in a very powerful and real way and call them into life. God, that you would... Allow them to see that no matter what they're facing and what's in front of them, that God today, that you're bigger than the mountain and you're bigger than the obstacle. To gain your perspective, Father, to see that there is a future and a hope. That we would begin to unlock our understanding and begin to see, God, that there is a gift that you put in us. There is a future, God. And in that place is the abundance of joy in life for us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet, please? Today, make a decision to break the mold. Make a decision to break the mold. Say, God, if there's an area where I haven't received your joy in life, today I'm going to receive your joy in life. I'm going to begin to walk in that place. Amen. Amen. Father, I just declare your grace upon every person and your blessing. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Fill us with the knowledge of your life abundantly. Amen and amen. Amen. We love you so much. Look forward to seeing you Monday if you can make it out. And then Wednesday. And again, Saturday. Have a great day.